0: Brooklyn Objection to the Rule, the weekly politics local, national, and world show. We have running the boards, Teresa. Hey y'all. Uh she's a our regular host and the current uh technical genius in whiz and whiz <laughs> Thank you, Matt. And we have uh Emily, our other uh long term, long time host here in the studio. Hello.
1: Indeed. Yes. I'm here against all
0: <laughs> <us>. <laughs> It's incredible. Uh-huh. So, are, are we going to... Well, yeah.
2: Don't forget about Sarah now.
0: Hey, yes, I'm also here.
2: <laughs> and, and
0: and that's Matt. Who's amateur talking. amateur <laughs> move, Matt. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, uh, I, I, I'll fully introduce Sarah. Sarah is an incredible yeah. co-host. I've uh, been here for a couple months and is currently working on a project with me whoop, whoop. with someone named Spoon Jackson who I'm going to be launching a, a podcast or launching a Kickstarter to fund it tomorrow. So hit up the... Objection to the Rule Facebook page, and you'll see an incredible project that we've been working on. Spoon Jackson has been incarcerated for 42 years, and he's a poet. And I am working with him to really make all of his work and philosophy come to life. And it's kind of a lazy elevator pitch, but that's what you get for... Um. <laughs> For doing <tuning> it,
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Though I'm that's looking it. forward
1: to hearing. Did it. we? Did we said we're objection to the rule on Radio Free Brooklyn, right? Yep. I was, yeah, we did. I was, we did oh, we did, I'm in did, a fluster today. Oh, that's I'm okay. in a fluster. It's a new I mean, year, things. you know. It's a new year, and uh, and Matt, you're also. We're gonna start with a couple local stories, and um, we're we're gonna be spending a lot of time talking about Iran today, but we're gonna wait a little bit. Um, and uh, we're gonna start with some local stories. So, Matt, take it away.
0: Yeah, starting out with bail reform. On January 1st, a highly anticipated bail reform took place, supervised release is what it's referred to as, and it prevents judges from setting bail on almost all misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies. The proponents of this program see that it will do a great deal to lessen the criminalization of poverty. People who get arrested for low-level crimes will not be jailed before trial. This new program would allow for people to have continuity of their employment, housing, basically everything that uh, interacts with their life, which is a good thing in most people with hearts' opinions. (laughs) Detractors of this program are nervous that dangerous people will be released before trial and do harm towards other. In my general reading of a handful of articles on the subject, I'm not sure how that applies. The current supervised release program only redirects people from bail who have nonviolent charges. The Gothamist reported, quote, judges' decisions will be closely watched as politicians and the public debate whether the new law is sparing low income defendants from unnecessary detention or creating a public danger, end quote. Which, if I can be so frank, sounds like what the legal system is supposed to do anyway. <laughs> the collection of judges cited and Uh, observed in the pieces that I read all seem to be on board with the program. The benefits seem to outweigh whatever unintended consequences may arise. In my opinion, what is important here is not that a new program got put into effect, but that the legal population appears to be behind the new program in general. For example, Ibram Kendi wrote a piece for the Washington Post uh, that one failure of the Civil Rights Act way back in the day, but not so far into history, was that it let people confuse the death of Jim Crow with the death of racism. The point being that for the law to have sweeping change, it really needs sweeping support. It feels like I'm hoping that the legal community is ready to support not just this new program, but the ethos that this new program promotes. Is anybody as optimistic as I am? (laughs) Or do you think that um, this new bail reform is um might just be i don't know what word
1: well i'm optimistic like a false like positive sort of no it sounds story.
4: like yeah something we've all
1: been waiting for yeah, yeah but I is mean... this
4: is, is this been put into effect already or is this just something that's on the table yes it yeah, started
1: it oh okay wow that's really exciting so on the first so like we haven't like there's not enough data out there to see how it's affecting anyone yet
0: Th- that's right the yeah. Gothamist followed a couple uh a couple of people that uh Got this option instead of bail. Mm -hmm. And so they've done a couple profiles on the people. And and it's, I mean, the anecdotes are pretty overwhelming Mm because it's either somebody stuck in jail for a nonviolent crime or they get to continue their life and come back later.
2: Interesting (laughs) enough, that's actually how I began um, on this show is talking about a bailout program that I did last Christmas um, with my church to raise money for nonviolent offenders. We donated $10,000 for bail reform for people to be able to come home for the same very thing. So Mm -hmm. we didn't do the effort this year, but I think that was because there was a lot of reforms being done. Mm -hmm. So we wanted our, you know, our efforts to be in something um, that needed just as much urgency. And you'll see some of that come out. But I think this is a really great start to the year. At least the conversation is happening. It's actually in play. So let's just hope that people actually uh, fall through with it.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. Thank you for your work, by the way. That's uh, that's big, important stuff.
2: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for letting us know about this. This yeah. is the type of stuff we need to keep up on because we never hear. This is, in some ways, kind of good news. No, I was going to say, know. is this a good I story? news? <laughs> <laughs> like, itching, I, <laughs> I was like, I'm itching. I feel it. I haven't slept for three days. And I was like, are we starting <laughs> is there with good news? That is good news. That
0: is good news. Good, news?
1: <laughs> is good, news? <laughs> good job, Matt. Um, great job, Matt. Thank you. And uh, we're going to bring it down a notch. So. <laughs> okay.
4: Several notches. Um,
1: so, woo, several notches. So um, the next, the second and last, you know, local story we have for today. Um, So we haven't had a chance to really cover some of the recent um, violent anti-Semitic attacks that have been happening in the in the local New York area. Um, I think they whenever they happened, it was like right when we were between shows or something like that. But um, but they've been happening and it's really bad. Um, They felt like a couple of them felt like they were happening even back to back. Um, So the Associated Press had a great article about these incidents um, and some and a lot of the issues surrounding them. So like a lot of the research news information I'm about to present is from that article. It's called, um, As Jewish Enclaves Spring Up Around NYC, So Does Intolerance. Um, all right. So, yeah, as, uh, as ultra-Orthodox Jews get priced out of Brooklyn neighborhoods, uh, they've been moving out to the suburbs, uh, which happens to all sorts of communities, not just that one in particular. But, um, yeah, but besides some extreme and violent attacks that I will talk about in a sec, uh, the growth of these communities has been... Quote, Accompanied by flare-ups of rhetoric aimed at new development that some say is cloaked in anti-Semitism, um, but those the attacks that I've been referencing. So on December 10th, a man and a woman in Jersey City killed a police officer before killing three people at a kosher market and initiating an hours-long gunfight with police. And then on December 28th, a man with a machete of all things, uh, rushed the home of a Hasidic rabbi in Muncie, New York, uh, which is part of Ramapo in Rockland County, uh, where he wound, wounded five during a Hanukkah celebration. One of uh, those wounded remained hospitalized as of earlier this week. Uh, some Jewish leaders blame not only social media for inciting anti-Semitic violence, which is something uh, we've been seeing on the rise the last few years in terms of violence in general against all sorts of minorities, um, but also from inflammatory rhetoric from local elected officials, too. Uh, For example, a "A widely condemned political ad last summer created by a Republican local Republican group claimed that an Orthodox Jewish county legislator was a was plotting a takeover in quotations that threatens, quote, our way of life. Also, just days after the Jersey City killings, a local school board member called Jews Brutes on Facebook and said that the killers were trying to send a message. She wrote, are we brave enough to explore the answer to their message, which is horrifying. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That is my comment on that. That is very scary. That's a, that's an, a local school board member. Um, so at the funeral for one of the victims of the Jersey City attack, a member of the Orthodox Jewish community said, everybody is feeling unsafe. Jews feel unsafe. All types of Jews feel so unsafe and nobody believes us. That's what's scary. Um. Uh, yeah, real Real bad stuff happened.
2: There's definitely some air. I was um on my way over here. I in my Uber Val. I'm learning how to take these um Uber Val. Uber is not going to kill me in 2020. Uh, (laughs) Taking buses all over Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So you know, I'm like, I'm gonna discover some things. And I definitely when I got to um I think it was like Flushing Avenue. Mm -hmm. The energy over there just seemed really. I don't I don't I don't know what to call it, whether it was dismal or just hurriedly or, or it just didn't seem like something. One of the I Hasidic communities. Yeah. yeah. Um and even just in interactions, it just didn't seem
1: well. That, like and today, were too, well, we're going to to with of We're going to talk about Iran, too. But is, you know people in israel on. and like a lot of the Hasidic community feels a connection to that and they're worried over there with iran and everything and tensions, and so that's related to that too i think on the world spectrum
0: it's definitely
2: somber so yeah
0: and um, currently there's a march on the uh mm. or march or rally
2: um uh, yeah i think i've seen that actually on the yeah. news over one of the bridges today yeah no oh, no hate
0: that. no fear Yeah, uh, a anti-anti-semitism mm. gathering oh, just good, a way
2: good. to start the new decade Yay. Yay
1: um but yeah anti-semitism is one of those um it's it i mean i'm jewish so like i'm like also still processing all of this too and maybe and if i say something whatever it's it's coming from that perspective but um it's one of those it's bad i mean i don't know if i need to say that but um but it's also it's tricky because um it lays in this weird space we're in with uh well like you know um with everything with Israel and Israeli politics, and like a lot of people who, it gets it gets mished up into this like our you know, Israel being a Jewish state, and also the oppressors in some scenarios, but then also the oppressed in other scenarios, and it becomes this fairly this hard space to navigate in discussions. I think, um, but of course, mm-hmm. all forms of violence, all forms of hate are bad absolutely. <laughs> regardless of whatever whatever you think of that but it, it it's a very it's a it's a weird space navigating a hard one to talk about mm-hmm. in five minutes on a radio show but um yeah, yeah well i'm
2: sure we'll have more to talk about and continue yeah. with this conversation because like you said violence anywhere is violence everywhere yeah so we definitely want to um send the well wishes out to the yeah. Jewish community yeah. in, mm-hmm. in new york and abroad
0: yeah
2: um all right so we're it's gonna take a song our break, first musical break.
0: Musical, I feel like we're going to start singing.
2: The <laughs> <laughs> first objection to the real musical break. We <laughs> might have to do something. Yeah, that's a bad idea. We right? should do a musical. <laughs> All right. <so laughs> a radio musical. That, that sounds attention. good. Yeah, it, it's coming. Coming in 2020. <laughs> um, stay with us. We're going to take a break for some music and we'll be right back.
5: Can't fly when the world says anger down. No joy. No spouts to the cameras. They love it when your demons hang around. They hang around. And I believe in a space to breathe. Air is running out. I can hear the clouds. Why is it not?
2: Objection to the rule. Your live Sunday morning news hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was Brandy's new song, "Freedom Rings." What do you guys think?
0: I love it. Got it. Oh, yes. she got I'm clapping job, right? It. Yeah,
2: I love Brandy. She's like a part of all of our lifetime, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So her she's Finda- coming back with a vengeance in 2020. And <laughs> love I'm her here and for
1: Cinderella, it.
2: right? With I'm here it. for it. Yeah. All right, so yeah. <laughs> let's hop into some national news. Sarah, what you got on the docket?
4: All right, so I started. Reading into the story, and I thought it was really silly at first, but it does sort of speak to what's going on in the country right now, and I thought it was interesting. So, there is going to be a partial a partial flavor ban on vaping. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. Um, so, President Trump and his administration have taken a stand, if somewhat lukewarm stand, on vaping. Uh, according to the New York Times, public health officials have been calling for an FDA ban on fruit, mint, and dessert flavored e cigarettes because those are obviously the most popular with the younger generation. Kids smoking in school, kid eight-year-old kids with vapes, etc. This ban only applies to cartridges, though, not flavors in open tank systems, which I didn't really know existed, but at vape shops. Um, the menthol and tobacco flavors will still be sold. The Health and Safety Secretary, Alex M. Azar II, has stated... By by prioritizing enforcement against the products that are most widely used by children, our action today seeks to strike the right public health balance by maintaining e-cigarettes as a potential off-ramp for adults using combustible tobacco, while ensuring these products don't provide an on-ramp to nicotine addiction for our youth. This move contradicts the popular anti-regulation conservative position on tobacco products, but weighs in support of the First Lady Melania, uh, opinion and that of suburban mothers who voted for Trump, but are suspected to have surrendered their support for the president. The fact that vape shops and open container systems are exempt from this ban is proof of a solid lobbying base uh, of vape shops. The American Medical Association sees the ban as a positive step, but not enough in the face of the thousands of youth now addicted to these products. Regardless of political motivation, to me, it does seem like a step in the right direction, but whether a full ban will eventually be affected is still in question and whether or not this will make any difference at all is also in question. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what you guys think. But I asked a friend yesterday who vapes regularly because mm-hmm. she used to smoke, be a smoker. I mean, she's my age. She's 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really the target audience for this ban. The target audience is like not getting kids into smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, but she I was like, oh, would this change your mind about anything? And she was like, no, I would just like go back to smoking cigarettes. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, it's kind of interesting. And it's interesting that the president, it just seems like a completely political move. I mean, maybe his wife really does not want their children smoking, but it seems com- like completely politically motivated. Just trying to get these, I don't know, in my mind, white suburban moms to be back on board with Trump.
2: I mean, really? Just the flavored ones? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we Yeah. Doing? What- <laughs> I'm sorry.
4: I mean, I, I do have a lot of friends who would like yeah. have a little mango one and just never leave their side and they didn't really like the other flavors. So I don't know. I mean, for like little kids, maybe yeah. it is kind of inappropriate that there are like bubblegum flavored yeah. smoking products. Yeah. But at the same time, like d- is this stupid? Like, I don't know.
2: Yeah, Like, is this really making any traction? I mean, I had one of those things. Somebody bought it for me. Like um, I don't know. Like a jewel or. Yeah, like a jewel or mm-hmm. something. One of those random like try it out, you know. Yeah. Uh, bartender life, you never know. when You have <laughs> yeah. to take a smoke, right? But um, I don't really smoke anymore. I used to smoke, and then that thing pretty much killed me. Like I hit that thing like one time, and I was like, I, I wanted to throw it in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really really harsh. Yeah. I don't know. Have anybody else ever tried to vape those things?
3: Hello, this is Jasmine. Hi, here. Jasmine. I have not She's, vaped. Yeah. I have never vaped. I <laughs> do have friends that ha- that do it, but they're pe- the people I know who vape or have jewels and things are people who used to smoke like you were saying and like it's like a Mm -hmm. step below that yeah but yeah this is one of my friends was talking about it and was thinking that it might be like there might be like pressure from like the cigarette lobby to ban these things so that they can have a larger shit like to try to encourage people more to go back to regular cigarettes I don't know if there's any truth to that but
2: I mean it's all poison and I think that the, um, the way that it hits your system is just like such, such a direct, harsh hit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can measure, you know, it's like the same. If you're hitting something, you're hitting something. But it's definitely really, really harsh. So
0: I listened to a piece on, maybe it was Freakonomics. I can't remember. And I think the, the biggest lesson for America about this whole vaping thing is in the UK, they embraced it as a smoking deterrent. And they got ahead of it and they regulated it so that they couldn't put as much nicotine in. Mm. And so by focusing on the flavors and kind of the old school Joe Camel selling the children's thing, I think that's the wrong idea because you get addicted to nicotine yeah. and then you get accustomed to flavors. But yeah, it, it always was a, a story about regulation and the FDA didn't know what to call mm-hmm. vaping because it was a tobacco product, but it was also a smoking cessation product. So it wasn't a health right. thing or was right. it just a normal and so everyone nobody could get on board with how to treat it and so yeah and Jewel, your,
1: your note in the uk too i remember when all these like um vaping sickness stories started coming out there was like a note saying like but in the uk where vaping is also really prevalent they haven't really had that issue um and at least the numbers or maybe at all, like when I was reading it, it was like there was no cases in the UK, which is really interesting because it's not like there's no vaping there, yeah. um, which is probably related to your point, Matt, like the regulation and like the if there's less nicotine, you have less urges to smoke it. So you're not doing it as often. And maybe I mean, that's all speculation on my end. but um.
0: Well, and the majority of vaping sicknesses and deaths are from uh, kind of like hacked weed vaping things mm-hmm. where people kind of retrofit them. And so they're not as good at it, I
4: guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, when I think about it, the cigarette packs now, they're obviously not now. It's like been a while, mm-hmm. <laughs> but have the like black lung and all that stuff on there. And, you know, yeah. lung cancer photos. Whereas like dual pods don't have that on there. I mean, mm-hmm. there might, be, it's like this product is addictive or whatever, but right. Right. Well, kids are like candy. I mean, it looks like the way that they market it is like candy. So I guess this, the only thing I can say for this is, yeah, that's, That is the truth. It should be regulated, not towards that type of marketing. But I don't think it's going to stop. Like people are still going to buy
1: jewels. Your note is like it's ahead of the regulations. Like I was reading about a little bit a few months ago when this was all starting and like the FDA like was it was like kind of this weird lobbyist FDA like handshake sort of thing where they're like, you know, we know they like the FDA was kind of like giving the jewel companies and like related companies like the benefit the doubt saying like well we want the research but we also love this as an alternative to smoking Mm -hmm. so let's just get it out like they were like they were okay with giving it like some sort of weird in-between status where all the research wasn't there Mm -hmm. yet because they thought like anything's got to be better than smoking and it turns out maybe not so like more short term because
4: they didn't have the research anything yet. yeah yeah yeah
1: don't smoke, kids. Yeah,
4: right? don't just smoke. It's dumb. not even cool or
2: cute anymore. No, either. and it, back in the day, it was like you looked all cool with those, those like cigarette. cigarettes.
1: Well, you look, well, you look pretty stupid with a vape pen
4: too. <laughs> so stupid. Du- the loud. vapes
1: look so stupid. But don't go back to
4: cigarettes. Someone guys. once
1: said it called it the fedora of smoking, <laughs> <laughs> which all smoking is bad anyway. But um, anyway, and fedoras are fine in some scenarios. But okay. Uh, okay, and right. we—I don't know. I just—I don't want to trash anyone's and personal style choice. Um, right? I just everything out of my mouth today is just—I don't know what I'm saying.
2: Um, Let's just move on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, Matt. So you got an update on them Democrats?
0: Dumb Dumbs. Dumb Dumb Dumbs drop out. The Dumb the <laughs> Dumbs that dropped out. Uh, Julio- <laughs> Julian Castro is the latest Democratic candidate to have dropped out of the race for presidency. The Democrats. Large collection of candidates has been criticized. I don't know why. If we have over 10 different kinds of spaghetti sauce to choose from, you can look up Malcolm Gladwell's piece on spaghetti sauce and Pepsi. It's pretty great. Why not have a couple of options for the presidency? Let's look at what we've gained by having so many people take a stab at what looks like, at least currently, the shittiest job in the world. (laughs) Julian Castro was a good progressive candidate He supported LGBTQ rights, embraced green jobs, and had government experience as former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. His push to decriminalize migration shows that refraining from having children die while being detained isn't enough to have a moral migration system. He would have been a great, um, he would have been a great choice for a reboot for Aaron Sorkin's West Wing because he's kind of, you know, good, but not too crazy. Senator Kamala Harris, uh, she lasted long enough for people to stop calling her Pamela. The value <laughs> of her run seems to be uh, her great takedowns of Joe Biden. She some blame the demise of her campaign on racism and sexism. And let's be honest, Joe Biden getting support for just showing up and brushing his teeth proves that sexism and racism charge. But I would like to think that her overall campaign fail her campaign failed because people did not Trust her on account of how she participated in an overly vindictive prosecutorial system. Harris, to many, represented the old school prosecutor that asymmetrically incarcerated black people and poor people for nonviolent offenses. And again, Joe Biden was the architect that got those same policies through, but he seems to be coming out just fine. Which seems to be more evidence for that. She did get less support because of good old racism and sexism. Beto O'Rourke taught us that looking like someone that could play JFK in a time-traveling Transformers movie isn't enough to become president, but that was cool when he said the F-word in his concession speech to Ted Cruz. Andrew Yang has not dropped out yet, but he probably will. His push for universal income is massive, not just because it's free money, but because it offers us a new vision for the future. America and the world associates work with money and money with value, our work ethic is a great thing, but as long as it's tethered to what the guardians of capitalism declare important, then our work ethic will be used against us. It's a very heavy statement, but hopefully I've, I've earned your trust to make such declarations. <laughs> mayor Dill, Mayor Bill de Blasio, being mayor of New York City might qualify you for being president. That doesn't seem to work out for many of those that try, but... Maybe not during the time that you are mayor. Oh. <laughs> what What if, like, halfway through presidency, Bill de drops out to run for a better job, like monarch of Mars, plutocrat of Pluto, <laughs> vice chancellor of Venus, the mercurial moderate mayor of Mercury, king of the cosmos. Sorry. Anyway, King of the Cosmos, <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson would have beaten him in that race anyway. Mm-hmm. There are many more that have dropped off that I haven't talked about. Does anyone want to take a stab at why Senator Kristen Gillibrand did not succeed? Hmm. I anyone I I don't know very much about her, really.
1: Yeah. Um I mean it boils maybe that's
0: down some it. Maybe money, that's <laughs> it, man.
1: Yeah. For most people, right? Yeah, I mean I her platform yeah. was very heavily um. Focused on female issues, which isn't a bad thing, but also is right in line with what you're talking about in terms of needing to be white and male to succeed. So,
3: isn't um, speaking of mayors, isn't Bloomberg like suddenly number three or something in the polls? Like, Mm -mm. they it was in a very short time, and it also came out that he was using unpaid prison labor to phone bank for him. Like, people had, yeah, it was this whole scandal. Like, there were a bunch of people that they couldn't, they weren't revealing that they were calling from, you know, behind a jail cell. But, you know, he was, you know, aired out for using that, like, exploiting that labor to get, like, robocall people for his campaign. And he's already rich. So I'm like, yeah, he's. this is, like, what Batman villain... Mm -hmm. I guess that's coming up next week.
5: Like, oh.
3: Bloomberg is
4: not in third place, though. I just want okay, to be good. clear. Okay. Not, not do you know by is? a long shot. Yeah, it's Biden, Sanders, and Warren. Still. Okay. okay. All right. Mayor Pete, no longer Mayor Pete, um, is also up there. But,
2: yeah. No longer Mayor Pete. Well, well I think, well. no, I
4: do see there is a poll where he gained like 11% or something really quickly in one day or, or two days. So maybe that's what.
3: Yeah, it was some know. like jump. Like he just got in it. Like, how did this happen?
4: Everyone's <laughs> yeah. like a oh, white dude. Yeah. That's not Biden. It's it so excited
0: I mean, I, I do think <laughs> it's hilarious for him to just like stroll in after this like rigmarole that everyone's been going through. And it's just like, I don't know why you guys didn't just wait.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> like, right. Why'd you waste all that money?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're not smart <laughs> yeah. like, how do you think i got so much money
2: exactly <laughs> waiting to the end well more is to come on that should i should i do a quick in, impeachment update but mm-hmm. people since we're still in national news
1: yes Teresa. all
2: right so as of friday we're no closer to setting rules for an impeachment trial for president trump than we were before the holidays Nancy Pelosi has held off sending the two articles alleging abuse of power and obstruction of Congress because the Democrats are still securing guarantees about witnesses and documents to be subpoenaed regarding Trump's conduct conduct toward Ukraine. The House Intelligence Committee chairman, um, Adam Schiff, he responded in a Washington Post article um, to the publication of the Just Security Report on the unredacted Trump administration emails related to Ukraine. In his statement, he alluded from, he alluded that, that uh, from the deeply incriminating nature of the emails, which I think we all knew that, uh, it's undeniable that the military aid was withheld to pressure Ukraine in helping with Trump's re-election efforts. He and fellow Democrats are arguing that the inclusion of these documents will be the only way to ensure that American people um, will have a safe and fair trial in the Senate. Um, at a rally to launch his new coalition, Evangelicals for Trump, At El Rey's Jesus Church in Miami, Trump alluded that his impeach this impeachment was still a hoax and it's based on no crime and no nothing. Democratic lawmakers say that Trump's Iran strikes strikes add urgency to the impeachment efforts and further highlight that he is willing to risk our national security without constitutional authorization for beginning another world war. So that's where we are, folks. Um, a little bit at the same place that we were <laughs> the last time we talked about this. I do think it's important that um, they wait and and include everything that they possibly can um, to so that we can have a justifiable trial. But we're not exactly sure of how that's going to move in terms of what's happening yeah. with Iran. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I, we we're like currently in this very <laughs> weird space, and I don't know if it's going to have a political impact on what's happening and what and in what direction yeah right like we're going to talk about iran after we take a quick music break but with impeachment specifically it's like oh shit yeah <laughs> he it's like commit the uh, most impeachable exactly i mean ever? just add
2: add salt onto the wound but it's almost like um it could ta- it could you know counteract as well because nobody wants to be a president less nation going to war as well so i mean whatever that means but there were some uh tweets recovered from when he was talking about obama was going to launch war you guys remember that (laughs) Uh, to get reelected. so you know look at the kettle calling itself black or black in the kettle or i don't know (laughs) whatever that whatever that illusion is what do you guys think about this impeachment stuff anything any feedback
0: yeah it's just very disheartening i think um if, if anybody who's been following it can see um what everyone's objectives are and that this is not uh taken seriously it's very sad to see such a coordinated effort mm-hmm. to just hold on to power i'm speaking about uh the republicans specifically yeah mm-hmm. you know and that's that's just um i hope that everyone who's um waking up to politics doesn't see it and find it as a um immobilizing yeah. thing but maybe they, they see it and Nylist see it as said. like yeah. a reason to like get involved to post a reason to give up because i think that's the choice a lot of people have to make now
2: yeah 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 well scary times indeed um definitely we'll be keeping you guys updated as we find out more but right now i think we're time to take another break for some music yeah all right and then we'll get into this heavy heavy world news story stay with us this is objection to the rule on radio free brooklyn I'm Spoon. and we're back welcome back to objection to the rule on radio free brooklyn alright so it's the time you all have been waiting for <laughs>
3: <laughs> the highly anticipated possible okay. end of the world
2: alright jasmine let's do it
3: so yeah this is something we were just talking about um, ringing in the new year and there was a sense of like wait what just happened you know with this massive news story So um, I'm somebody who lives on Twitter. So all of a sudden I started seeing all these people talking about World War Three. And um, my question was, who is the person who was just assassinated? So his name was Qasem Soleimani. And after the military leader was killed, like several U.S. politicians stated publicly Soleimani was a number one bad guy. Uh, We just talked about the number of different um, Democratic presidential candidates that have stepped down, like quite a few of them put up tweets that started describing this person, Soleimani, as a murderer. He's killed so many Americans and so on. But he was assassinated without um, debate in Congress. So, you know, it's I think it's very important to like in all the flurry of what's happening in the world like there's always going to be people that will spin someone as being evil or whatever but i think it's important to try to do our due diligence and look for ourselves like who was this individual that everyone is telling me is this massive threat to me as an american so looking into his background um General Qassem Soleimani and also six others were killed during a U.S. air raid at Baghdad's International Airport last Friday. He was the head of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Revolutionary Guard Corps' Quds Force, so that's Q-U-D-S Force, from 1998 until his death. So the Quds Force is the foreign arm of the of, 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 of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. So I was under the understanding that the IRGC was Iran's military, but that's not quite accurate. So the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps' job is to um, ensure that the Islamic Republic of Iran is safe. It's separate from the regular Iranian military. And the Quds Force is the foreign arm of that branch. So they're more involved in like, trying to prevent coups within like the religious state. Uh, he became well-known and celebrated for his work in fighting in Syria and Iraq. And he was important in spreading Iranian influence in the region. Soleimani's Quds Force supported Syrian President Bashar al-Assad when he almost lost the Syrian civil war in 2011. And I think this is one of the more important issues. The Quds Force has been um, very instrumental in helping armed uh, militia groups defeat ISIL and ISIS. Or depending on what you're reading, people will say ISIL or they'll say ISIS. Um, Soleimani strengthens, strengthened Iran's relationship with Hezbollah in Lebanon, Syria's al-Assad and Shia militia groups, and Syria's al-Assad and shia militia groups in iraq um i think not everyone is aware but shia muslims are globally in the minority like of the muslim population but iran is a majority shia muslim nation so a lot of the groups that um soleimani was connected with and was helping they were shia militia groups Um, Until recently, he was not often in the public eye, but more recently, he's appeared in public alongside Iran's Ayatollah Ali Khomeini and other Shia leaders. Um, Under Soleimani's leadership, the Quds Force expanded its capabilities and became a significant influence in intelligence, financial and political spheres outside of Iran. So within the Middle East, but outside of the borders of Iran itself. Um, The country is currently in mourning following his death, as he had become a symbol of national pride for many Iranians. He was originally born into a poor family in southeastern Iran's Kerman province, started working at 13 years old to support his family. And around that time, he began to attend sermons by the um, Khomeini, who was a religious leader. He was a war. He was he became a war hero after the Iran-Iraq war for the missions that he led across Iraq's borders. Uh, during Iraq's fight against ISIL, popular mobilization forces, which are Iran-backed Shia paramilitary units, fought alongside Iraqi, the Iraqi military to defeat the armed group. So um, <coughs> the head of American studies at the University of Tehran has said that Soleimani's role in helping defeat ISIL made him a national hero. So people see him as a martyr, as someone that was instrumental in helping to prevent ISIL from taking over like even more territory than they already have. And according to uh, this expert, whose name is Mohammed Marandi, The feeling in Iran is that if it weren't for people like Soleimani, the region would have seen many more black flags flying across the region. So they're thinking, you know, we're grateful to him that there aren't more territories that were successfully taken over by ISIL. Um, Recently, uh, Donald Trump ordered the attack on Soleimani, and he claimed that the commander had been planning an imminent attack on U.S. diplomats and American forces in Iraq. Um, I wasn't able to find that much corroboration that that was, you know, backed up, that there was an imminent threat. Um, After Soleimani was killed, Iran's supreme leader said Soleimani would be avenged. And Trump warned late Saturday, so yesterday he was tweeting quite a bit, that America was targeting 52 sites that are important to Iran and Iranian culture. And that they would hit the country very fast and very hard if they attacked American personnel or assets. Um, a targeting so if people are not aware, targeting cultural and historical sites deliberately is considered an international war crime. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like it's a it's a very heavy story. It's very complicated, but it was I did feel like I had a better handle. Afterwards on, like, okay, why was this person important? Why would he be a target? Like, he's been an important figure for over 20 years. So it it did seem a little bit like what's going on right this second that there was this, you know, urge to take this man out. Um. So I, I'd be curious, like, what had you all heard anything about Solomon? Was this a name that was at the top of your mind before you found out the news or...
2: No, absolutely not. Um, like, like Sarah was just saying, felt like we were just kind of like, I don't know, did we miss something? We woke up and all of a sudden you know, all of this stuff happened. Have any of you ever read up on him or knew anything about him before this day?
4: No, definitely not. I feel like we also have been sort of following what's had been happening in the Middle East, so it did feel like it was out of nowhere. I mean, I have heard his name before, but it was not, all that information that Jasmine just shared was not on the forefront of my mind.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, I also wrote up a little bit because sometimes like because these issues are so complicated and we're not experts, Mm -hmm. you can fall into a bit of a rabbit hole because it's like, okay, this is what happened now. What's the thing that happened before? So shortly after Christmas on December 27th, there was a rocket attack in northern Iraq and it killed one American contractor and wounded several military personnel. So that seemed to be like within this short timeline, like that happened. And then there was a retaliatory airstrike that killed on the 29th. The U.S. carried out defensive strikes in Iraq and Syria against Hez- a Hezbollah armed group after the, civil- the civilian contractor was killed. So at least 25 Iraqi security and militia Sources say that at least 25 of their fighters were killed in that defensive airstrike. And then
2: (laughs) I love the research.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot like I have pages on pages, but I'm like, I'm not going to go into all of it. But um, it was like one person was killed. That was an American civilian contractor. Several were wounded. And then that became like the justification for we're going to now drop like bombs like on these sites. And we need to do this to protect American interests abroad. So it really it seems like, yeah, like you can see the chain of events. But when you compare what happened to a lot of the rhetoric of like we need to protect Americans, like, okay, what specifically are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, are there large numbers of people in the U.S. that are in danger right now? Or are you talking specifically about U.S. soldiers who have gone abroad Mm -hmm. like they're technically part of what a lot of people consider an occupying force? We know that if you're a soldier, like you're at risk for dying at war, but it's, there's a lot of rhetoric that drums it up as though you have people like marching in tanks through our cities here and we need to take these actions to defend ourselves. And it doesn't really, from the little bit that I am starting to learn, it does not seem to match up to the level, the reality. Like it seems like there's a lot of ulterior motives, but it's like, let's use this in this like engineer that was killed and they don't even know who's responsible, but let's claim that these people did it. So now let's target them. And, you it know, it definitely
2: feels like a jumping to conclusion of things. Um, obviously, a lot of us were unaware, not just us, but us people in Washington as well, that it would be taken to this extremity so quickly, um, which is quite scary. You know, it's like putting your finger on the button. You know what I mean? Um that makes me very nervous.
4: It's completely politically motivated. It has no bearing on our safety. I mean, at least I don't think. I don't know. I say that very confidently, <laughs> but I also just completely don't think. The only people that are going to be affected are people in Iran. Yeah. Right now. Right now. Right. I mean, currently, this was not a threat. This is just all politics. Like Trump and, you know, Israel, Netanyahu is like, right. we love it because they're. it's all just the big boys, the guy battling each other, that. and it's really only going to affect
1: the people that have no control over it. Yeah, and like it's um, it's I think I mean in terms of political motivation, I've been seeing a lot of stuff, and I it feels that way very much that where he feels himself losing his grip on power, and it's mm-hmm. like well, historically, what helps a president? It's war. It's uh, it's killing. But was you he know.
4: around for George W. Bush's presidency? Like, did was I mean he of a lot? He was. Yeah, I, I know, but was yeah. he watching TV at all? No, like, I. Mean, I but, there, have you guys seen that? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the videos of him accusing Obama of
1: going yeah, to yeah. attack? Yeah. yeah.
4: In no. yeah, I no. feel like I'm living in a simulation. No, I can't believe horrifying. that this is real. It's I horrifying. really can't.
1: And in the fact that there's no checks on this guy, the fact that the the Republican majority in the Senate just seems to just anything is OK and seems to be yeah. able to warp it into that narrative is is makes you want to bash your head against a wall. It's I like, don't want to live sh- here anymore. Right. What are we
2: saving <laughs> yeah. face for, though, you know, with the Republicans? Like, like th- that's not why we elected you. You know what I mean? Well, I didn't elect them. Well, yeah. But I was <laughs> like, <laughs> just, People <laughs> elected them for yeah, different say. reasons, yeah. But really, I mean, if, if they're not going to stand up to, to this guy, I mean, you know, it's pretty scary to think that it would ha- take something like this um, to even to even have anybody get to touch him, to get that close to him. And I don't want to wish anything bad on anyone never I would never do that but it's almost like exactly who are you doing this for
3: Yeah. and um, another thing I would like to add is history is so long but media cycles move so quickly like Mm -hmm. there's been U.S. interventions in Iran like trying to start issues with Iran since before any of us were born so I think that you know, as fast as things are moving, I think it's worth it and very important to slow down, do your research, like, so that you can have an informed opinion about what's going on because like it, something very similar could very well happen under a Democrat, but people will sometimes think like, because they like the person that's in office, like there might not be the same urgency on everyone's part to pay attention or to maybe see it as something negative. Um, I think it was either today or yesterday, the Iraqi parliament voted to expel all of the U.S. troops from the country. And there were people who normally that are in the parliament and are enemies, they both agreed to vote to have U.S. forces taken out. Um, The majority of the information that I shared with you came from Al Jazeera and some of it came from France 24's website. So it's it's interesting to see like the breakdown of what world leaders like of many different countries had to say about the assassination and the stark difference in tone. Like there were like two nations that were saying, yes, this man was a terrorist. He killed all these all these untold like American lives like are lost because of this evil, horrible man. And everyone else was like on pins and needles like, you know, this is going to destabilize a lot of things. Like there were a lot of things that were under his control that are now up in the air. It's like it's already a tense situation. And to kill such an important figure, Mm -hmm. it's just now everything is on super, super high alert. So, you know, Iraq is between like they're still fighting with ISIL. They had some militia groups that were working in tandem with U.S. Powers and then also Iran had was back in groups that were also helping to fight ISIS. And from what I understand, their president Abdul Um Mahdi was trying to get assistance from both sides. And now what position is he in right. that this one group is like now, you know, violated his country's sovereignty and made this executive decision to take this man out? It's very you know, like I'm hoping that it doesn't escalate for the sake of the people living there, because that's 99 percent of who's going to be affected. But mm-hmm. it's it's looking pretty scary right now. Mm. Thank
4: you. made such a good point earlier about saying that media cycles are quick, but history is long. I was history like, Mike, drop. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I'm thinking about it this whole time you're talking. And I think that the media is about to drop so many like. Scary headlines on us. And while those aren't fake, I don't think that the media is like fake news. This is what our podcast revolves around. I mean, not podcast, sorry, radio (laughs) show. I don't know why I said podcast. Um.
3: Catch
4: us on Spotify. No, but uh, because they're about to drop so many scary headlines, I think, and we can't really do it. We feel like we can't do anything about it. But what everyone can do, you're right, is to just sort of slow down and educate yourself on what's going on. Because then, if there were a time when you need to devote or make some type of decision, we would have. The information instead of just eating up the headlines and being
1: like the world's ending, let's tweet about it and t- yeah. make a meme about yeah. the World
4: War three that isn't <laughs>
1: happening. So it, yeah, and on that note too, I was seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter and like obviously there's like a lot of like oh we're all gonna die, World War Three, like, blah blah blah, levity or whatever, and, uh, which right, makes sense, but right. at the same
4: time it's like none of it is informed by anything exactly. Like, and there was that's al- not what's happening. I actually <laughs> started
1: seeing a lot of calls to not talk like that because it's um oh I should probably pull up the tweet, but it was like. It not only scares people, which is not what we need, is more fear right now, but it's also, um, it's uh, it, it's nihilistic and it gets you out. Like, you have to get out there and tell politicians if you don't want to go to war, like, you have to actually, like, don't just sit back yeah, and be like, and we're all finger, Yeah, and put your finger. It makes
4: everyone put their fingers in their ears and go, well, it's going to matter because the world's going to blow up yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's like, exactly. no, it's, it's actually like, not. So we you, should, like,
1: make sure that it doesn't, you, you know? You, you, yeah. we have the, like, you know, and the, a lot of calls to just get out there and vote, which I know, like, feels. <laughs> not always like it's gonna it winds up in the best direction but like if everyone you know if everyone if you have the right information yeah. you at least don't feel so hopeless
4: about yeah. it like it, it's scary to read but like listening to jasmine talking like yes yeah. the information i feel that like yeah i and mean we,
1: and i saw yeah like i saw this other tweet that was like i don't know it was a weird i think it was from anonymous which is like kind of like a creepy like um <laughs> thing to read but it was like it was saying like americans are very scared nation like all of our actions are like out of fear and it really and and a lot of what I'm reading like I feel scared right but it's like why am I scared um, the people in Iran are the ones that are going to feel this imminently mm-hmm. um, in Iraq like they've been feeling this for 20 years right like our intervention in there has only is been disastrous in a lot of ways and like why were we even there and we can get into this like yeah but the good ever. thing is there yeah. are
4: people that are thinking about it there are people that yeah. are talking about the right thing so just try and try, yeah. find those people yeah
3: <laughs> yeah and like there's also this is I'm 30 I'm turning 31 this year so I, I'm old enough to remember like when 9-11 happened mm-hmm. and I was a child at the time but I remember that feeling you mm-hmm. know like that these things happen and it's very easy to use it to drum up <laughs> a lot of xenophobia a lot of like yeah I'm gonna go sign up to go like kill those bad people and it's like wait take a breath what exactly is going on because there's a lot of people that have done that they've gone over they've regretted it and they're like what was i even fighting for like you can even say the same if you look back at like some people who came back from vietnam it's like they're just swallowing the information that you get from like these flashing like look Mm -hmm. at this headline like these big scary people it's like the u.s has the biggest military budget I think of anyone or one of the biggest there's if anything I wish I could remember the woman's name I think she worked for the CIA but she had this moment where she was talking to um someone who had been like an insurgent in the Middle East and he was saying You know, Americans make all these movies like Star Wars and stuff about like a ragtag group of rebels that are fighting this (laughs) big bag force that's trying to take over everything. And he's like, you don't understand that to the rest of the world. Like, you are the Death Star. Yeah, like you are the the people that are going around. Like, why are there all these people just post it up in foreign countries like are you supposed to just be like okay cool this isn't a problem like of course there's going to be resistance so you know like hopefully this is an impetus for people to you know not be don't be callous you know i understand some people say like oh let's joke because we're afraid it's like you know it's one thing when it's your pain that you're choosing to make a joke of Like, there's still babies being born, like, with their insides on the outsides because of chemicals that the U.S. has put in their countries from decades ago. That's not a joke. And so I think we should give it, you know, the gravity that it needs. Like, please read. Please educate yourself. Educate your friends. If you have people that are spreading, like, misinformation or people that are getting swept up in this, like... (laughs) let's circle our wagons, like resist that because it takes everybody, you know, like you don't have to be a soldier to be a part of a war machine.
1: Mm. Ah, sorry for that noise. Um, Thank you so much, Jasmine, for that really important story and research and everyone in here for contributing. And we're going to, We're going to have to wrap up. We have a quick good news story, though, trying to maybe live it up a
2: little bit very
1: quickly. uh, Teresa,
2: the oldest person in the world is still living. (laughs) Uh, Kane Tanaka, she just celebrated her 117th birthday uh, in Fukuoka, Japan. She broke her own Guinness Book of World Record as the oldest person living. (laughs) And she was born in 1903. She married. She had four children, adopted one. And she says the secret to her longevity is waking up at 6 a.m. studying and mathematics and getting lots of sleep. Can you
4: imagine getting to 100 and you still have 17?
1: I feel like I'm still 17. <laughs> exactly.
4: What's going on? And
2: she's not going that. anywhere. Um, thank you so much.
1: We are almost done. I uh, I also realized we forgot to say the name of the song we played in the middle was Alone oh, yes. Again or by a band called Love. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also at the end of the TV show, um, Russian Doll, which made me really happy.
2: All right. Um, thank you guys for yeah. tuning in. That's it for this week's Objection to the Rule. Check us out on Radio Free Brooklyn. Have a great week, guys.
5: Bye.